so glad that you're here today, and what a blessing. Thank you so much for allowing me to come and to speak to you today, and I know your pastor today is over in Dallas at Limitless Church, and then Pastor G, who was here last weekend, didn't Pastor G do a good job last weekend? And uh, Pastor G is at our church this weekend down in Athens, Texas, so what a blessing to be with you. This series is called Your People Are My People, and it's about us as a body of believers finding freedom, Right? And so I just was thinking, where's Pastor Derek this morning? I don't see him. He's probably stepped in the back somewhere. I, I just want to say something about Pastor Derek real quick. I know that your church is still struggling with some freedom. I'm just telling you, because anytime you've got to put a guy inside a cage <laughs> to play drums, and we're just praying for Pastor Derek back here that he's going to find some freedom and be able to get out of the cage. Amen? <laughs> All right. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, would you turn over to the book of Genesis and chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. While you're turning there, uh, again, this series is called Your People or My People, and that comes from the verse, and I know you've probably already heard it through this series, but I just want to reiterate it. It comes from Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, where Ruth makes this amazing declaration. She says this, she says, uh, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. And I just want you to notice these succinct statements. He sa she says, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. For your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. These are amazing statements. Now let me tell you why this is amazing. Because a lot of times when we think about the Gospel, or when we think about Ruth, the book of Ruth, we think that uh, here's this little Jewish lady, and she's saying to her mother-in-law, Naomi, hey, uh, where you go, I'll go. Uh, where you lodge, I will lodge for your people. And we think that this little Jewish lady is saying to another Jewish lady, this, okay, this is not what's going on. Ruth is actually a Moabite. She is from Moab. She married a man who moved her to Israel, and when her husband died, her mother-in-law says, you know what, you're released, you're free, you can go back to your homeland, go back to Moab. Okay, listen, she was a Moabite. She had a different color skin than they had. And, and here's something we learned. Ruth makes this amazing statement. She says, I don't want to be different from you. And this is what's so important we catch. I don't want to be different from you, for I want to go where you go. I want to lodge where you lodge. I want your people to be my people. And I want your God to be my God. In other words, I don't want there to be a difference. See, the real problem that we're facing in our world today is, and, I, and I'm telling you, the, the struggle is not what we have in common. The struggle is with what we have different with each other. Yeah, yeah. And so her struggle was, she was saying, I don't want to be different. I want to be the same. And if we would ever get to the place where we would recognize that God has called us to find the commonality between us, then I'm telling you, then there would, we would not have these struggles that we're facing in our world today. And so this is what we have to learn how to do is how do we find the sameness? So here's my question that I'm asking throughout this entire series, and that is, uh, what do we have in common? What do we have in common? So important. And it's a question, and I think if, we'll, if we can answer that question, what do we have in common, then we'll stop seeing so many differences with each other. So uh, uh, again, we're going to look at Genesis 2 in a moment, but before we do... Are you okay if, if I don't use scripture to start with? Are y'all okay with that? Is that all right? Yeah. Would it be okay if I use some scientific data? Would that be all right if I use a scientific journal? Uh, a few year, about a year and a half ago, I got real interested in finding out my heritage. Uh, I don't know a lot about where my dad came from. I don't know a lot about where my mom came from. 
I mean, I, know my, I knew my mom and dad, but I just, I, mean, I don't know my background. So I wanted to know what was my heritage, where did I come from? And so I went and did this thing called 23andMe. Any of you have done 23andMe or Ancestry? Any of you done the DNA thing? Awesome. Okay, so some of you have not done it. This is the coolest thing you'll ever find. You ought to go do it. I went and did this to find out what's my heritage, where's my culture, where did I come from? And I, I'm telling you, I got the shock of my life when I did it. I mean, when it came back and I read that report, I, I mean, I was, I thought, I can't believe this. I mean, I'm total shock at my background because I've discovered I'm white. Did y'all know that? I, I mean, I, could, I thought, wow, I'm really white. Uh, but there's some interesting things that I discovered on this report, uh, and I want to read this. This comes right off of the 23andMe website. And I want to say something again. I believe in science. I like science. Uh, how science works is you put forth what's called a hypothesis. In other words, we believe that this is what happened. But uh, listen, a hypothesis alone is just belief system. By the way, let me say something about science. Science is the world's biggest religion. Because some science has, is based in fact, and some science is based in faith. Okay, let me help you with this. So, listen, if you can put forth a hypothesis, and then it can be proven by supporting facts, then we can say that's science fact. But some science today has no science fact behind it, it just has a hypothesis, and they, will, and they put forth quote-unquote, facts that have no basis in any fact. Okay, so that's called faith. So anyone who says, you know, that we don't believe you ought to have faith in believing that, well, science does this. I'm going to show it to you in this one statement. So part of this statement is science fact, and some of it is science fiction. All right, so I'll help you with that a little bit. So listen, this is, I want to read about my father. Where did my father come from? Where, does, where do my roots from my father's side of the family come from and so this statement is directly it's a direct quote off the 23andme website it says this the stories of all y'all know what if if we're going to use the greek definition of all you know what the greek definition of all is all means all and that's all that all will ever mean okay i'm gonna help you so you understand it <laughs> the stories of all of our paternal lines can be traced back over 275,000 years to just one man. Now, this is very important that you catch this because actually what science is now bearing out is that what the Bible says about one man is true. This is science. Now, this, now the, the science fiction part of this is 275,000 years ago. We don't know if it was 275,000 years ago. We don't know how long that there is. They don't know how there is. This is just a supposition that they've decided to put forth in front of us. In fact, I can actually prove this, I believe, uh, in my own kind of funny way to think about this. So a year and a half ago, I read this on the 23andMe website that 275,000 years ago, all of us came from one man. So uh, I decided about a couple of weeks ago to go and get this and to copy it and so a year and a half later, it still says 275,000 years. <laughs> and here's my guess that in 10,000 years from now, it'll still be 275,000 years ago, okay? So there's no fact in that. But what the facts do bear out is that we all came from one common man. Uh, do you know what his name was? Adam, right? Okay. Uh, what about my mother's side? That would be interesting to find out. Where did I come from on my mother's side? This is directly a direct quote off the 
23andMe website. If every person living today could trace his or her maternal line back over thousands of generations, all of our lines would meet at a single woman who lived in eastern Africa between 150,000 and 200,000 years ago. Though she is perhaps one of perhaps thousands of women alive at the time, the only diverse branch of her haplogroup have survived today. The story of your maternal line begins with her. Okay, again, there's some science fiction in there, but there's some science fact. And the science fact is we all came from one woman and we all came from one man. Here's what I want you to get. This is so important. What do we have in common? Here's point one of this weekend. That is we all have the same beginning. We all have the same beginning. I don't care what color your skin is. We all have the same beginning. We all came from the same man and from the same woman, and that's what the Bible says, and this ought to give you a lot of hope that the Bible is true in what it says. Amen. Does that make sense? So we all have the same beginning. So I begin to think to myself, I, uh, you know, if this is true, we all came from one man, all one woman, if that's what the Bible says, I need to study a little bit about Adam and Eve a little bit. So I got to thinking, okay, I, we all know where Eve got her name. Is that right? I mean, because Adam named everyone. Think about this. Adam named all the animals, but the Bible also says he named his wife Eve because she was, and here's how the Bible, you know what the word Eve means? It means mother of all. Same beginning. Do y'all follow that? So Adam named her. By the way, many, this is a mistake, common mistake that I think most Christians uh, make. They think that Eve was her first name. It wasn't. That was her middle name. Eve was her middle name. She had a name that was a first name that she was given before she was given the name Eve. Do y'all know that? It's actually in the Bible. Most people don't know this. So remember, the Bible says that when he made the female, that he, he, he made a great sleep to fall over Adam. Remember that? And he took a rib out of Adam's side. And I love how Matthew Henry says this. Matthew Henry says that it wasn't a bone out of her foot, or out of his foot, so that he could rule over her. It wasn't a bone out of his head so she could rule over him. It was a bone out of his side so that they could rule together, side by side. So I, I love that. But it caused a deep sleep, took an, a rib, formed the female out of Adam. And when Adam awoke, he gave her her first name. And that was, he looked over when he woke up, sleepy, rubs his eyes, looks over, sees her, goes, whoa, man. So that was her first name, woman. That's how that name came about. <laughs> And every morning when I wake up next to my wife, I have the same reaction. Whoa, man, and it was good. So anyway, <laughs> we all have the same beginning. But do you know where Adam got his name? You ever thought about that? I mean, I, this, this caused a journey to come into my life. As I was thinking about Adam and Eve, where did Adam get his name? Obviously, Adam didn't name himself. Where did he get his name? So if you have, Gen if you have your Bible, look with me to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read down in verse 19. And I want to just do a real quick sampling to see how many of you in this room are using King James Version Bible. Can I see your hand real quick? Would you lift your hand so I can see? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, how many of you are using a new King James Version Bible? Can I see your hand? Very good, awesome. Uh, some of you are using the same versions. Anyway, so how, how many of you are using a version other than King James or New King James? Can I see your hand? Awesome, that's great. Okay, this is going to work out great. Okay, because something happens. By the way, don't get hung up on what translation. Uh, and, it, and by the way, if, if I, I get this question a lot. Well, you know, I just think King James, that's the version that Paul and Silas used. <clears throat> listen, don't get, listen. 
all of them are translations. They all have their problems. The reason why, it's not because the Bible has a problem. It's because when you translate something, everything loses something in translation. So don't get hung up on which translation. My suggestion to you is read a lot of translations. It'll help to bring some facts to things. So as I was reading this, I was looking, where's the first time that Adam is used? King James and New King James use the word Adam prior to any other version. Doesn't make them more correct, it just means that they decided to translate this word earlier. So watch this. Look at Genesis 2:19. And if you're reading with me, whatever version you're reading in, see if you notice the difference between what I'm going to read. Okay? So watch this. Genesis 2:19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. Now, here's what I want you to see. How many of you notice in your version, if you're not using King James or New King James, you notice in your translation a different translation there? What did you see? Man, Man right? Man. Okay, listen. So I thought, I started looking at when was the first time the word Adam is used. The first time is in King James or New King James in Genesis 2, 19. So I, that set me on a journey. I got to thinking, why is it all the other translations translate this as man, but King James and New King James translate this as Adam? Again, I, I, don't forget, things lose things in translation. In fact, let me show you another place where this word is used. All right, so if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 1 real quick. Look at verse 26, and this is the first time that this word is used, but it's not translated in any version as the word Adam. Okay, watch this. God said, let us make man. Now, I want to say it real quick, clearly to you. This word man in Genesis 1.26 is the exact same Hebrew word in Genesis 2.19 that's translated as Adam in that place, but in this place, our Bible translators did not translate it as Adam. They translated it as man. Okay, let me read the rest of it. So let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man, there's that word again, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. And remember, my question was where, was, where did Adam get his name? Who named Adam? Okay, and here's what I want you to get. This word that's translated here as man in the Hebrew is the word Adam. You may not have even known that you knew Hebrew, but this is the Hebrew word Adam. So you can literally translate this. It's the same as in Genesis 2.19. It's the same everywhere throughout the story of Adam and Eve. This word is the word Adam. So you can literally say, let us make Adam in our own image. Okay, where did Adam get his name? God named him. Yeah. Did you get that? I mean, this is a really cool thought. God, listen, we all got our names from our fathers or we got our names from our mothers. We, but we got our names from someone, but Adam got his name from God. He's the only one who was named by God. Very important that we catch that. So in the Hebrew, if you're looking at this on the screen, you'll notice that uh, the word Adam actually means man, or it also means reddish. Very important terminology. Don't forget that because we're going to come back to it later. But I want you just to notice if, in Hebrew, Hebrew is read from right to left. We read in English left to right. 
But if you look at it, you'll see this uh, one letter that kind of looks like an N. That's the Aleph. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you'll think about in Hebrew, Hebrew is very important for us as believers. We just don't realize it. A lot of the language we get today comes from Hebrew. So the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the Aleph. The second letter is the Bet. And it's the word that we get today for alphabet. Did y'all know that? Okay, so a lot of our language comes from Hebrew. We just don't realize it. So the Aleph, the, the, the letter that kind of looks like a backwards T, uh, is, uh, is the Dalet, and then you got the, the letter that looks like a capital D there, and that spells Adam. Are y'all following this? Okay, it means man. So literally, you can read uh, in another passage, let me show you this, Genesis 2, look at verse 7, watch this, then the Lord God formed, and I'm going to read it out of, like the, you would read it in Hebrew, and the Lord God formed Adam of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam became a living being now this is so important we catch these things again if we're ever going to find out what we have in common we need to know we have the same beginnings and there was something about Adam that set him apart from all the other animals okay think about this for a second all the animals were formed out of the dust of the ground but when he formed man he says let us an hour. Okay, listen, think about the us and the hour. Do you think that God said to the angels, let us create? No. Uh, listen, do you know that angels can't create? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll say this to you as a human. Do you know that you can't create? I know we get this terminology. We always, oh, yes, I can create an artwork or I can create, uh, you know, something. I, listen, creation, creating uh, has the uh, connotation that you made something out of nothing so if you think that you can create you say well I can take this and I can make something little no listen God made his own dirt you make dirt then you can talk, talk about creating does that make sense so you say well what are we then we are like God in his image we don't create but we are creative are y'all following that so look again we're just talking about this man uh, that came out of the dust of the ground. And then I want you to notice another word that's here. So it so, says so Adam. And what, what set Adam apart? What made him different? You ever thought about this? Again, because they all came from the ground. But what made him different? Okay, what made him different was the Bible says that God breathed into him. God didn't breathe into the animals. And I know this is going to come a shock for some of you who have dogs and cats. You think your dog or cat looks like a human. They're not. They don't get the breath of God. Because when you were made, think about this, the image of God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is a three, but there's only one God. Yeah. Again, I'm, I am, we, think about the image like this, and you say, what's a good illustration of that? I'm a pastor, I'm a father, and I'm a husband. But I'm only one. I mean, there's no good illustration for this, but I just want you to know that we're not talking about three gods, we're talking about one God, but His image is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When God made you, He made you body, he made you soul, and he made you spirit. That's how God made man. He, listen, God's a three in one. You, listen, when Adam was made, he was a three in one. But what made him alive was not body and soul, but when he breathed his spirit into him, he became a living being. Without his spirit, you're just existing. Are y'all following that? Now notice something about this word. It says that he came out of what? The ground. 
The word ground in Hebrew, and this is so important you catch this, the word ground in Hebrew is the word Adamah. Do you see Adam in Adamah? Because Adam came out of Adamah. These are, by the way, these are the exact same words here. And, and the word Adamah means ground. Now, I think this might have a little bit to do with why man is referred to as reddish. Because I think that Adam actually came from East Texas and the red dirt we got over here. <laughs> he was a Texan. Are y'all excited about that? So he came out of the ground. Listen, he wasn't white. That might come as a shock to you. He wasn't black or brown. He was probably reddish. Very important we catch that, okay? Again, we're just talking about Adam and Adam. It's so important we find out what our commonality is and with that we have the same beginnings. And so we, this, this is where our beginning was. Think about this, that he was a three. Now, let me give you number two. They, we had the same condition. Not only do we have the same beginning, we had the same condition. What was Adam's condition? Now, again, think with me for a second. Remember, they came into the garden, they lived in the garden, and then God told them, he said, whatever you do, don't eat of a certain tree. What was that tree? Do y'all like to talk back to your preacher? Is that okay? Y'all do that? Okay, good. <clears throat> what tree was it? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Is that right? Okay. So he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then, and then he says this, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay, think about this. I'm going to say it very clearly. On the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now think about this. Either we've misinterpreted what death is or God's a liar. Because God says on the day, now we know God's not a liar, right? Listen, on the day that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, did they die? Someone says, well, no, they didn't die. They still live. No, listen, we think of death as when this body dies. But this body is not the thing that makes us living. So that day, they were a three, but they ate of the tree and something died. What, what, what died? Think about this. Their spirit died. The Bible goes on to say, and I'm going to show you this verse in a moment, through one man, that's Adam, sin entered the world. When you were born, when you were born, not Adam, when you were born, you were not born a three, you were born a two. Okay, think about this. You are body and soul, but the reason God made you a body and soul is so that you would be a vessel for his presence. Every human being is born a body and a soul, and this is the reason why Nicodemus had this big question. What must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says to him, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, what can I do to be born again? Can I crawl back up into my mother's womb again? And Jesus says, that's ridiculous. <laughs> now, I know some of you are going to go, I've read that passage. I've never seen Jesus say that's ridiculous. That's King Mark version. <laughs> Jesus says, that's ridiculous. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You can't go do that again. So therefore, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born again. What Jesus is saying is when you were born, you were a two. But if you want to get back into the right image of what I created you to be, you must be born again and become a three. Now this is great news. Listen to me. If you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus, you're a two. You're incomplete. All humanity is born with the same condition. We have a sin nature. 
The day we're born, we're born at two. I got great news for you, though. Come into right relationship with him. He breathes new life, and you can become a three again. And then we can have the same condition again. Okay, so they had the same condition. He said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, can I just show you, do you know Satan's been doing the same thing from all eternity? The same all eternity. Okay, watch this. I want to show you this. It's really cool. Again, think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 2, if you're there, look with me. Genesis 2, look at verse 9. Out of the ground, there's that word, Adamah, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to his sight and good for food. The tree of life also, where? In the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, I want you to think about this for just a second. Just based on that verse, which tree, tree of life, Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Which tree is in the middle of the garden? And I know someone's going to say both of them. No, listen, if you have two things and there is a direct center, can two things be in the direct center? Okay, so listen, either both are off center or one's in the middle and the other is just a little off center. What does that verse say? The tree of life also where? In the midst. And there's another tree that's pretty close to it called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, which tree's in the middle? Come on, people. Wake up. Amen, right? Because I want you to see it's so important we catch this because we'll never know that we have things in common if we don't see some things in Scripture. So it's the tree of life that's where? In the middle. Are y'all with me on this? Okay, yeah, my, someone says, well, I have people all the time ask me, well, Pastor, is Jesus in the Old Testament? Okay, think about this. I'm telling you he's all over the Old Testament. People say, well, we know the Spirit moved over the deep, so we know the Spirit was there. And then we know the Father was there, but what about Jesus? Was Jesus there? Okay, think about this. All the way through the Bible, you know where you always find Jesus? In the middle. When, they went, when, the, when, the, when Jesus read Isaiah 53 in their hearing, the Bible says in their hearing, they decided they didn't like what he had to say, and so they were going to take him out and throw him over a cliff. You remember that in the Bible? And the Bible says he passed through their midst, the middle. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. When you get to John, John's gospel, or when John speaks about the book of Revelation, about heaven, he says, in the midst of heaven. That's a King James word, but it just means middle. In the middle of heaven was the throne, because we always think, well, the throne is at the front, like we're in a building and the throne's at the front. No, the Bible says the throne's in the middle. And guess who sits on the throne? King of kings and Lord of lords. And then John goes on to describe that there's a tree in the middle of heaven. Listen, two things can't, two different things can't be in the middle. So what do you, who do you think the tree of life is? Jesus. Think about this. Later on, after they sinned, God said, let's set a guard over the garden so they're not able to re-enter and take of the tree of life and might live forever. Do you know what Jesus gives you when you come to him and when you take of him? You get to, when you eat of Jesus, when you take of Jesus, you get to live forever. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You might live forever. Jesus creates living life. Are y'all following this? So Jesus is the tree of life. You all know who it is. But there's another tree that's not far from it there that's in the middle. Let me, let me show you this. This is really cool. So again, remember what happened after that? So uh, Adam, or excuse me, Eve gets tricked by the devil. And he's been doing the same thing. He hasn't changed a bit. So look with me at Genesis 3.1. 1. 
Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, watch these words, indeed has God said. He's questioning God. Do you know that he's been doing that for all of eternity? He'll do that to you. Did, did God really say? Um, is that really what he meant in the Bible? Uh, it, there probably is an alt, alternate meaning to this. That's what the devil's been doing for a long time. And by the way, he's gotten a lot of us tricked today. So he says, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Okay, did God say that? God didn't say you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. What he said was, you can eat from all the trees, just don't touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, everything's been opened up to you, but there's one thing I want you to leave alone. Right? So Eve gets her theology screwed up. So watch this, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Did you see how quickly, listen, you know what Eve did? She placed in the middle what didn't belong in the middle. Okay, what happened when they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Suddenly they realized that they were naked, right? Can you say that in church, naked? Can we say that? Okay, so they realized they're naked. Okay, what, what, what really happened though? Think about this for a second. They eat of the tree, she eats of it, she sees it's good, she gives it to her husband, say, here, try this. He eats it. That suddenly they look at each other and go, oh, you're naked. You're naked. Okay, what did, what, but what really happened? What actually happened was they began to notice the tree of knowledge of good and evil made them notice their differences. You want to know why we notice differences between human beings today? It's because of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was taken back in the Garden of Eden. Listen, God never intended for you to see the body God wanted you to see his spirit and realize you have the same commonality. Y'all see that? Again, we all came from the same place. Okay, watch this. I'm running out of time because you people do not listen fast enough this morning. So. But I want you to think about this. Then God cursed. Remember, the Bible says that he cursed each of them. Remember that? Okay, think about this. He cursed the serpent. He says to the serpent, because you've done this. He said, uh, you have bruised his heel, talking about Adam, you've bruised Adam's heel, but Adam will one day crush your head. Yeah. Now again, so think about something. This Adam that was out of the Adamah, there was no way that he would ever crush Satan's head. He did not have the ability to do that. So evidently, there needs to be a new Adam. Yeah. I want to show it to you today. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, but then he says to Eve, and ladies, you can thank Eve. You can blame Eve, because you know blame, shame, and, and a, taking, a lack of taking personal responsibility came from the garden. So you can blame Eve today, just like I blamed you for not listening fast enough, all right? So, uh, that like, like, it's my, like it's your fault that I'm not preaching fast enough, right? So anyway, but so you can blame Eve because the Bible says, in childbirth, your pain shall greatly increase. How many of you, great, how many of you ladies are grateful to Eve today? Aren't you grateful that you get more pain today? So it's just interesting, he curses the serpent, he curses Eve, but do you know how God cursed Adam? I, ho I hope you'll catch this, watch this. Genesis, uh, again, look at Genesis 3. Then, he, then to Adam he said, this is the curse, he's cursing Adam. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it, watch this. Curse, he's cursing Adam. Cursed is the 
Isn't that interesting? He curses the ground, the Adamah. Okay, evidently there is something in, in the Adamah that relates back to Adam that got cursed. Okay, watch these words. Well, here, well, watch these Hebrew words here. One more screen. There we go. Adam and Adamah, you see the same words there, but do you know there's something in the middle? And I'm going to tell you, this is where I really think the reddish comes from. Something in the middle of Adam and Adamah that you've got to catch. It is the word damn. The word damn throughout the entire Old Testament is always translated as the word blood in English. But it's the word damn. Let me say it another way. The day that God cursed Adam, he actually cursed his blood. Let me say it. Let me change it. I'm going to help you. You're going to get this. His blood got condemned. Condemned. He, he went from being a three to having condemned blood. He was a two. Now this is so important you get this. We have the same condition of sin, which creates in us the same common need that we have for one another. What's that need? Listen, what we really need is not condemned blood. We need to get this condemned blood. We need a blood transfusion. Again, think about this for a second. Our blood's been condemned. My children, some of you, you may not get this. Think about this. Through ma- Listen, here, this is a verse of scripture that goes with that. Uh, says this, we have the same need. Uh, let me see if I can get to it. See, here they come. They know I'm, I'm running late. <laughs> Romans 5, 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned, and even in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Again, the same Adam brought condemnation on all of us. We were condemned because of him. Now, here's what I don't want you to know. Some of you have been thinking for a long time, it's my father's fault. It's my daddy's fault. Listen, through one man sent into the world, listen, I'm going I'm to give you all the uh, ammunition you need. It is, it's your father's fault. We men keep passing this down, passing this down. Pass, my children got this passed down to them. But there's something that we have a need for. Listen, you know what the need is? We have a need not for condemned blood. We have a need for redeemed blood. And that can only come through Jesus. We have the same need. Uh, By the way, this verse says, the likeness of Adam, who is a type of him to come. In other words, he was just a type of the next Adam. Just a beginning Adam. But there had to be another Adam. And that tells us that we have the same Savior. We have a need for the same Savior. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Did did y'all catch this? In other words, there was a first Adam, but there's a second Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 45 says, So also it is written, the first Adam became a living soul. The last Adam, I hope you'll catch this, became a life-giving spirit. I'm, t- I'm telling you, you were born a two, but God so loved you so much that he gave his son so that he could become a life-giving spirit for you. Listen, we got the, we get the, when you come to Jesus, 
you can then from that point forward every day take from the tree of life and live forever every day uh, Ephesians 7, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, 47 says, the first man, that's Adam, the first Adam is from the Adamah, the earth. He's earthly, he's Adamash. But the second Adam is from heaven. Listen, think about this. Your father passed this down to you, but there was something different about Jesus than the rest of us. Think about it like this. I have an earthly father. Jesus never had an earthly father. That's why he was born of a virgin. He had a heavenly father. Listen, his blood was never condemned. I'm, I'm saying to you, this is why we have the same need. We have the same need for the same Savior. Jesus says it very clearly. No man can come to the Father except by me. Because he says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. In other words, listen, there's not 15 ways to heaven. Muhammad ain't going to get you there. Buddha ain't going to get you there. Confucius ain't going to get you there. You name them, I'm going to tell you they can't get you there. Jesus says, I'm the only way. And listen, we, as humans, I don't care what color your skin is, brown, black, white, we all have the same condition. We all have the same need for the same Savior, for Jesus. And, we, and by the way, when we find Jesus, listen, do you know why we still see difference between each other? You know why when you look at someone who's brown skin or black skin and you think differently about them? You know why that is? Because you're still living under the fallen nature. Quit acting like a fallen people. If you're a believer, you're not fallen anymore. We have redeemed blood. Stop looking on the outside and start seeing what's on the inside of each other. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him, that's Adam, the, the second Adam, that's Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. Romans 8, 1 says, there, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more condemned blood for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus provided a way that we might have a life-giving spirit living in us. Can I pray for you today? I ask you just every head bowed, every eye closed for just one moment. <clears throat> What's God saying to you this morning? I want you to ask him. God, what are you saying to me this morning? Help me to see things the way you see them. Are you living with a fleshly nature? Or are you allowing the Spirit to overcome your fleshly nature? By the way, I'm going to say something about racism. This, is, this will be shocking to some of you. <clears throat> we think that racism sees color. It's not true. Listen to me, racism has a spirit behind it. That spirit really doesn't see color. Think about this. The same spirit will tell a white person about brown and black people that they're different. The same spirit will tell a brown person the same thing about black and white people the same spirit will tell a black person about brown and white people. Listen, racism sees no color. The spirit of racism sees no color. The purpose of the racism or the spirit of racism is to help you see the difference. You know the difference in Jesus? Well, Jesus wants you to see us see the same thing. Human beings who have a need. A need for him. And if you're here today and you've never met Jesus, why not come to him and be completed? You're incomplete without him. You're a vessel to house God, but you need Jesus today. 
It'll change your life. I also say this, if you're here today and you're a believer, but you've been living in racism, why not give that up and give it back to God and say, God, forgive me for ever seeing someone different than me. Help me to see them the way you see them. For God so loved the whole world. Listen, if you need prayer this morning, we're going to have a prayer team. We're going to come up right now. And if you need someone to pray with you, I want to invite you to come and pray with them. Listen, here's what we do. You know what happens at prayer time? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the middle. What prayer time does is gives us an opportunity to get Jesus back in the middle of our condition. Christians need that. People who are not Christians need that. You need Jesus back in the middle. So if you need Jesus in the middle of a circumstance, maybe in the middle of a marriage again, middle of a financial situation again, why not come for prayer and let's put Jesus back in the middle this morning. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Father, we love you. Thank you for everything.